Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Ed and Wendy Gilchrist from Jaya 9. Jaya 9 is a product development company based in Oxford, Connecticut, that offers the design and engineering of complete market-ready solutions. Ed is the company's president, and his wife, Wendy, is the manufacturing manager. Ed and Wendy, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Claire. Nice to meet you. It's my pleasure. So come on then, let's start with you, Ed. Tell me a little bit about the company and the products that you make. Jaranine started as a design firm. I'll go backwards just a little bit because we had a a previous firm that we sold that did similar work. And then we started this in 2006. And as a design product development company and engineering company, and then through the years, we started adding manufacturing and originally what we did is we set up a manufacturing plant for another client where Wendy left left the company for a bit and went to work for them and set it up and ran it. Uh, and then when we handed that off, she came back here and we built out a full manufacturing capability. Not sure which date that was, but probably about six, seven years ago when we started uh, doing full manufacturing here. And, and since that time, that's grown. We've done manufacturing for all sorts of clients along with the product development. However, last year when when uh, we started building the, our latest product, which is an EV charger, our facility here couldn't handle all the other work we were doing. So we shut down all the other manufacturing. We've totally focused on EV chargers on the manufacturing side. So we rebuilt the factory to be um, EV charger specific. Wow. And so that's where we are right now. Amazing. So who is the customer and, and, and how did that project come about? Were you involved with the design? And tell me a little bit about the manufacturing of it. So our client is Oasis, who owns the brand Juice Bar. So generally they call themselves Juice Bar. They're in Connecticut. They're out of Connecticut. And, and they came to us. Well, we met the two owners prior to them buying the company. And we, you know, how it goes, you network a little bit, you meet somebody. And we, we had met them and uh, we chatted with them about six months before they bought it because they were looking for help because they knew they were going to buy it and they were going to need a lot of help to get this thing rolling. So uh, after they bought it, they called us up and said, hey, we need uh, we need design help or engineering help. And we came in and did some work for them. And then it just evolves. You know, you start doing a small project for them and then it becomes a bigger project and a bigger project. And then it was, okay, we have to get this made, manufactured. And we're like, we can do that. And so we took that on and we were making very small amounts, you know, onesie, twosie at the beginning. And then it was as they got more funding and they saw the market picking up, it was, okay, we need more and more and more. So we've now got um, quite a little manufacturing place rolling here and and orders well into uh, deep into next year that are volumes that are five to 10 times what we're currently making. So we're we're expanding. 
Fantastic. And what is the actual product? What does it do? Well, it's an electric vehicle charger. I'll get specific here. It's a level two charger. So it's the kind of charger you'd have at a business or it's not the kind of charger you might have on a highway that's a supercharger like a Tesla supercharger. It's at a slightly lower level, but it's the kind of thing where when you're plugged in two, three, four hours, it fully charges your car. So the kind of clients we have, we have kind of clients they have are hotels, apartment buildings, businesses where you pull in for the day and you plug your car in and you leave it there. And also, also a lot of fleet work. So things like electric buses need to be charged at night. They'll use uh, our charger. There's, there's quite, it's a, it's a, obviously it's a hugely growing business. So it changes every day. Our client base is growing rapidly, or I'll say their client base. So not only are you obviously manufacturing in Connecticut, but you are single-handedly trying to save the world as well with sustainability and the environment. Super. Love it. So, Wendy, question for you then. You're clearly the brains behind the operation with the manufacturing arm, I guess. What Uh, sort of equipment do you have there? And how did you have to adapt, I guess, for this particular client? Well, let's see. You know, we have a, a small electronic, you know, PC board section of our our production line because we originally started out doing circuit board assembly we don't have a lot of big equipment to do any of like mass production stuff it's mostly prototyping level work and then we have some you know some small automated equipment which eventually we'll upgrade to you know some higher level production material stuff you know ed and i are very scrappy we like to believe so we we're not kind of outpacing ourselves spending dollars on big equipment. We'll grow into stuff that we'll need. You know, so mostly what we were doing are small hand tool stuff. We did buy a laser cutter this year, which was a, a big investment for us, which certainly helps our production. But yeah, you know, right now we're kind of being pretty lean on our materials and how production many, stuff. Yeah, and how many employees do you have in Oxford, Connecticut? On the manufacturing side, we are up to 18 employees right now. Wow. Which this time last year we had six. So we're growing fairly quickly. I mean, I would say in the last month I hired five people. We're planning on moving come September timeframe, which then I, I'm looking probably between now and the end of the year, hiring another 10 to 20 more people. So wow, we're growing. That's, yeah, that's yeah. big growth, big growth. And that's just on the manufacturing side. Yeah. Then we have all the support side for engineering and administrative workers as well. And so to, meet, to meet next year and next year's um, production plan, we will have to bring the, the manufacturing team up to about 80, 80 to 90 people. And on the engineering side, we have about 20 and, and we'll grow that to probably 40 to 50 people by the end of by the end of next year. Wow, it's rapidly growing, hey? Where are you going to relocate to? I'm assuming still in Connecticut? Yeah, we have we have about 12,000 square feet where we are in Oxford. We're gonna to move to Southbury in yep. a building that's about 40,000 square feet. Wow. So it's a big jump for us. It's uh, it's gonna be good. You know, we're, we're, we're space limited right now. We, we're, we can't make as many, as many product as they want us to make. So the way to fulfill all their needs is grow the space, add some more automation, we do have, you know, we have some automation here that Wendy probably didn't didn't mention or didn't think of things, you know, automatic crimping and some t- a lot of test equipment, a lot of automated testing for the product. But it is a mostly hand assembly kind of product. There's a lot of wiring and general testing, you know, a lot Brilliant. of nuts and bolts. 
So have you guys always worked in design and manufacturing or have you had a, a previous life prior to Jaya 9? Well, Wendy and I met um, at a division of United Technologies back in the early 80s. And she was she worked in the factory and I was uh, ultimately was a project engineer. She was great. She ran the factory floor for a product that I was working on and I was uh, scheduling stuff and working out engineering problems. And so we've been together for uh, quite a long time now. A very long time. <laughs> doing this almost 40 years. So I was so going to yeah, say, I thought you'd forgotten how many years you've been together then. I thought you were going to be in big trouble, Ed. I, yeah, I, you saw we me, started yeah, working. No, I, 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 I stuttered a bit there, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we started working together in 1982 and we've kind of gone our separate ways on a couple of occasions, but we seem to always come back to each other and... Uh, Oh, we yeah. love a, a manufacturing love story as well as a superb yeah. product. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about how you manage the company then. So you have quite a large number of employees. How would you describe the employee culture within the business? It's both hard and easy to describe. Really, you know, it's interesting because we really have two, it's sort of a, you try not to be this, but you have a two-class system here, right? We have a bunch of fairly highly paid engineers, and then we have people on the assembly floor, and we really try to make sure that it isn't an us and them sort of scenario and, and everybody works together and engineers will hop on the floor and help build stuff. But honestly, I think I was describing this to somebody the other day. When we look at hiring people, we just wanna, it's the character of the people when we hire them. And it sounds a little soft and squishy to say that, but the, the reality is they come in, I don't care if they're homeless, I don't care if they're, you know, they've got some history. If they wanna do the work and they're gonna be good people, we will hire them, we will train them. And so we've ended up through the years in all of the businesses we've ever had or owned or, or run um, with a fairly loyal team. It's really a wonderful thing. It's a lot of work because you'll have some people who are handicapped, some people who have, you know, less capabilities and you have to be accommodating. And uh, I think at the end of the day, though, you put the hard work in and and people will take a bullet for you. I mean, the, the stuff people will do for Wendy and the way she runs the team, it's pretty amazing. And, and it's uh it's very heartwarming. It makes us get up in the morning. It's why we have a business more than anything else. It's quite interesting, isn't it? We were talking just before we uh, started recording this podcast, we were talking and uh, Wendy jumped on. She went, sorry, I wasn't here early. Uh, I was just saying goodbye to the staff. She said, we're like the Waltons here. So I get this impression. It's it's a real family environment. It's true. And, and all the problems that come along with the family. I don't know, Wendy, what you, you want to jump in on that. Yeah, I mean, I do treat them all like family um you know my children in some degree you know and some days they're not well behaved and we have to deal with that and then other <laughs> days uh everybody's good you know because we we do have a lot of different personalities and different cultures so sometimes it gets a little hot down there and you know i have to step in and take care of peacemaking you're a diplomat. yeah i think very di yeah very much so um you know a social worker a psychiatrist <laughs> you know i have many many hats um oh, man. but i think most of them they all appreciate what ed and i do for them and we appreciate what they do for us you know they realize that they have a great opportunity here and um, that it's important for them to actually you know do the best they can and that's all that we expect of them and it, it works you know it it's definitely tiring, does, but it works. And it's yep. growing. So tell me then, yep. what is it like doing business within the state of Connecticut? We have such a rich and vibrant history of manufacturing here in Connecticut. How have you found that? Have you always been within the state? 
Yeah, we've had businesses. I've owned a business doing manufacturing of one sort or another since 1993. And I, in some ways, I don't even think about it. I mean, it's partly something when somebody asks the question, I go, I don't know. I don't know anything different. But at the same time, it has its challenges. We're certainly not the cheapest state in the union to uh, find people in. But again, if you're scrappy and you want to train people, we, we can do pretty well there. I think um, culturally, it's great. I mean, you know, generally people are well, you know, we're all fairly well schooled and understand how to deal with people. You know, we're not in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, I think uh, Connecticut has a fairly good base of manufacturing. The challenge that I, I have found through the years is that a lot of our manufacturing is focused on aerospace and medical. And so when we're not, I used to have a medical equipment company, so that was pretty easy. But as you do stuff that's a little more consumer focused, the ability to make stuff at the right price point can be difficult. But if you, if you find the right vendors and you challenge them enough and you work really hard with them, they figure it out. You know, yes, we're not Pratt & Whitney. You can't, you know, charge a thousand dollars for that little machining thing you're doing for us. You have to do it at a price that's competitive. And we found, I mean, we have over 70% of our product is uh, made in USA. So we're, in fact, uh, of chargers, we're the only US charger manufacturer that's made in USA. There's some that are assembled in the US from materials made overseas, but we, we've focused on making stuff as local as possible. In fact, 50% of our stuff comes, general, about 50% comes from the state of Connecticut. Wow, that's quite a credential. It brings me on nicely, actually, to my next question, which was obviously we are in the middle still of this global pandemic. Hopefully it's coming towards the end. How have you found that has affected your business? Obviously, in the middle of all that, we've got a, a new president and a green agenda, which obviously ties in nicely with the products you're making. But have you seen any great impact with the pandemic in terms of the supply chain or a real resurgence in Buy American? Have you noticed any differences? I'll start and I'll let it, we'll, we'll wind you finish on this. So when the pandemic started, right? Yes, supply chain, well, supply chain through the whole thing has been a disaster, but we're pretty good at, at working it. And, and we've been sort of ahead of the curve of other people. Yes, we've been hit with supply chain issues heavily, but we've still been able to manufacture despite that because we have a lot of good vendors and we put our orders in early and we got to the front of the line. However, you know, on some of the stuff where, and I can say projects we were developing because again, we design products for all sorts of companies. And when the pandemic hit last year, they were like, well, you're still gonna finish on time, right? Of course, I'm literally in the engineering group, the engineering part of the building, the only person here. Everybody else was working remote, remotely and we're trying to set up VPNs and all sorts of stuff to get everybody to work right. And I had to tell the clients, we're not going to hit our schedules. We're, we're going to have to get some relief. In the end, we got it done. We got most of our stuff done on time, which was pretty amazing. Kudos to the team here. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been difficult and even hiring people because there's a lot of people who can't get childcare still. And, and that's been probably more on Wendy's side than on the on the engineering and design side, getting uh, people to add to the team. And I, I don't know, if Wendy, if you want to jump in on that. Sure. The manufacturing team, you know, we stayed constant. I think we had like a half a day down when it first came up that uh, <laughs> wow. we, everybody was shutting down, but then we got the okay from the state to go back to work. And I managed to keep my team and actually add on to it. Um, it was a little challenging getting some people because of the school and daycare issues and just some people's nervousness, but our team was really good. You know, I 
we kind of drew a hard line in the sand to say, you know, we all have to be here together. You know, if anybody goes off and does anything dumb and brings this pandemic, this disease into the office, we're done. And they got that. They totally understood it. And um, we're very good about following the rules, both inside and outside of work. So we got through it. You know, nobody got sick. We were very cautious if there was any concerns, you know, that potentially maybe somebody had gotten contacted. But it was it was kind of amazing, you know, and we gave everybody uh, big kudos for hanging in with us and being doing the right thing. So it was great. It's just um, something. We, oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, we did miss the engineering staff, um, you know, because they do support us. And when they weren't around, it made it a little more challenging, but we made it through. And, you know, they were responsive uh, by phone as much as they could happen to be. But it was great. You know, oddly, <laughs> it was great. Funny, isn't it? It's something that I keep hearing, actually, from a number of manufacturing companies throughout Connecticut is that ability to kind of all muck in together. So to use a British phrase, you know, we're together in the trenches. And uh, it seems to have carried the industry quite well throughout, you know, what has been a really sort of unfamiliar time for many people. You know, it's been uncharted waters for so many people, but uh, it does feel like manufacturing has stepped up to the plate and in many cases, you know, changed what they are manufacturing for the greater good uh, and found niche opportunities for, you know, additional revenue streams, you know, within a, a very challenging environment. So other than coronavirus, are you tackling any exciting new challenges or opportunities at the moment? Well, yeah, obviously, when we talk about the EV charging world, when you look at the what's going to happen going forward and you assume, you know, 20 years from now, there'll be 100 million EVs in, in the United States, you're going to need 100 million chargers. I mean, just, it's going to be like a one to one. And we have in the United States, like 100 to 150,000 chargers in the United States right now. So we basically have none. So between now and 20 years from now, we need 100 million chargers. Do the math. It's a really big number. And so the reality is it's unlimited space right now. Everybody who can get in it and do it well, the growth potential is huge. So really the trick right now is our client, um, the juice bar guys, have been really great at raising capital. So they're challenging us is how fast can you grow? So obviously on the manufacturing side, we're doing what we need. We're getting the space. On the engineering side, we need to add, I think I said earlier, probably 20 people, 20 more engineers in the next uh, year or so. Um, that's a big challenge. There, there's, there obviously have to be specialties uh, in that group of engineers. And although we're pretty good, we have a pretty good team already. We have a long way to go before we're going to have a big enough team to do all of the, uh, all of the projects that they want to do. The, the list of projects that we have started is huge. It's incredible. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge challenge. I, I, it's the biggest challenge I've had in my whole career, but it's great. I love it. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. So exciting um, stuff. And yeah. if you, you know, obviously you're looking to recruit quite actively in the next sort of quarter, two quarters, what are you looking for when a resume hits your desk, Ed, or yours, Wendy? What are you looking for on there? You know, I, I, I applaud your kind of open hire policy, which is superb. But what are the key attributes you're looking from people, uh, even those who you know potentially are going to train up for a position? But what are you looking for for them to bring, if you like, to the party? Well, well, you know, and I'll, I'll give you the the big answer first is, and when we, when we take it outside of the resume, but somebody who we end up interviewing, 
uh, obviously the character is is 90% of it that obviously they have to know how to do the work if they're engineers or or designers but given that we're we're in the trenches together this is really hard work we have really short schedules we have a lot of work to do personality matters uh so that's the very first thing we we both look at whether it's for the assembly side or for the engineering and design side i think as it goes along here's the thing there's not a lot of engineers who have experience doing ev chargers because they haven't although they've existed for a long time it's been a very small team right you can go to tesla and tesla has a pretty big team but the rest of the 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 world hasn't made a whole lot of ev chargers at this point so so we're looking for skill sets that that show that they can do it that because they're not going to have the experience having done it so there's there's stuff we pull out about uh you know what their software background if they're a software engineer their electronics power power electronics or whatever but but the reality is is they want to they got to want to learn because it's going to be stuff they don't already know how to do and they have to be uh team players and that sounds again what everybody would say but it's really true here because we are contract designers and engineers so in a way although we're designing products that we're making here we have to be experts and so we have to do it at at the pace that our client wants because they're paying us to do the design work so it's an interesting different business than for a lot of engineers who work at a company who's who are designing their own products the the schedules look a little different for us they're much we're much more like firemen in, in <laughs> very much products. so and it's more about how they fit into your existing team your your family the waltons if you like you know particularly on the i guess the manufacturing floor for you wendy yes definitely um you know for my side you know, we do hire a lot of people that have no experience in manufacturing at all, you know, but I'm looking for attitude, um, excitement. You know, I just recently hired a, a woman who I just fell in love with her. I just thought she had such a great personality and like was so excited about what we we're doing, only to find out she actually didn't know the difference between a straight bladed screwdriver and a Phillips screwdriver, which presented a little bit of a problem. <laughs> But, you know, we worked with her very closely for a few days and then she got it and now she's right up there, you know, in a very rapid time and she gets along with everybody and it's, you know, it's great. And that's kind of what I'm looking for is just the personality and, you know, that can do it attitude. So people come from all different backgrounds and most of the people have no experience at all, but it's just, it's a feeling I get from them that I look at. It's great. Oh, it's brilliant. So you guys are pretty busy. You have massive orders into next year. You're in a an industry um, that's growing ridiculously, particularly at the moment with EV. What do you do when you're not working? How do you like to spend your downtime and relaxing? Do you get any spare time? We're recording this quite late at night, I should add. So it's after the working day, well after the working day. What do you do for fun, Wendy? Well, we do get to relax. You know, our, our weekends are pretty low key these days. That might change. But, you know, I love just sitting out in our backyard. We have a couple acres of land in the woods and I have gardens around, um, you know, and I could sit there and spend hours watching hummingbirds and butterflies and the deer and the turkeys. So that's kind of how I relax. You know, we're not big travelers or, you know, going out to dinner people we i just love our backyard so that you know that's how i unwind it's great what about yourself ed 
Yeah, I, well, it depends. I, I always have a lot of projects. I like to make things. I'm obviously a designer or engineer. So I have a shop, you know, full shop at the house. So we'll, there's a lot of times where I'm either making something, maybe it's for work. It's an idea I have that I want to try something out on. A lot of times I'm creating some crazy thing for the house. So there's a lot of found object <laughs> stuff that, that I have created over the years for our property that, um, yeah, it's a little, little nutty, but, but yeah, or, or I'm out splitting wood or, or, uh, building a path. I rented an excavator last year to, to build a path through our woods so that Wendy and, and our, our dog Mitzi can go for their walks through the woods without, uh, dealing with trees and bushes in the way. So that, that was kind of a fun project that's still in the works. I still have a lot of work to do on it, but. Now, are you somebody yeah. who's got lots of projects and finishes none? Perhaps I should ask Wendy this being your wife. <laughs> um well he does have a lot of a lot of projects and he finishes some i can see why you're the diplomat i really I, can now I, listen i've got this image of your home being like some kind of nutty professor invention type place in your workshop what's the thing that you've created or made at home ed that you're most proud of oh geez that's a really great question i don't know i let me tell you the thing i enjoy the most because I'm not sure about the proud thing. Because well, we built this barn. We the, the business wow. originally was at our in our property, and I built a barn with with contractors. But I did a lot of the work and designed a lot of the uh, the space, and you know designed our the whole heating system and all all the stuff engineers do, right? I did a lot of that, and I built it. So that was great. But the thing I actually enjoyed the most through the years is, and I haven't done it as much recently. We've been pretty busy. But every year I would try to take on a new little um, mini hobby. And, and every year at Christmas, I would make Wendy um, a new thing. So one year I did like a jewelry thing and I learned how to make jewelry and I built this. And then another year I did glass blowing or glass making and I made these glass things. And, and usually she finds out like I'm making something because I disappear Christmas Eve because I haven't gotten it done yet. <laughs> and, um, and I show up sometime like late, you know, Christmas morning with this great little object that I've created. And that's to me, I, you know, I love doing that stuff. That so. is cool. Wendy, you have to tell me what's been your favorite Mad Ed creation. I need to know now. Oh, your man. Um, well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, some of the things he does, you know, I'm absolutely kind of looking at it sideways like this is not going to work out well at all um and it usually does you know uh, mm -hmm. we haven't had any major catastrophes no fires no as far you know, as she knows as far as well that's true <laughs> i have heard stories i don't my favorite well he did make me a, a little piece of jewelry or attempted to make one that actually i think <laughs> did it have a little fire attached to it where yeah, the, yeah, it was molten solder or something? You got a half a bear. You got a half a silver bear. Yeah. I love it. I love but it. He's very, yeah, he's very creative. And, um, you know, in the barn, he created this fan out of uh, stereo parts and brake pads. And cool. And it's very cool looking. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't really work very well, uh. but it's very cool looking. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be a fan. It was meant to be a piece of art. And it is. It, everybody notices it and it's like, wow, that and there's always a story behind it. And exactly. that's that's the exciting thing about Ed is that there's always a story behind things that he does. That's fantastic. I, I'd love to yeah. see a, a picture of this uh non-working fan that's art. Love it. Love it. Yep. 
So last couple of questions for you two, and I'll let you get off home, I promise. I'm looking for your predictions for the future of manufacturing, for the future of, of your company, uh, and certainly the, the vein that you're working in at the moment, but also more generally, doing business in Connecticut. What's your predictions for the future? First, I'm going to say over the last a few years, maybe half a dozen years, many of our clients, uh, design and engineering clients, have asked us to help them reshore. And we're going to say pre-pandemic, you know, we can talk about post-pandemic, but before the pandemic hit, there was a lot of companies that said, look, I'd like to, we're making stuff overseas. Can you help us design it so it could be made here? Sometimes not possible. You know, there's some stuff where the technology, the manufacturing capability doesn't exist here anymore. But in some cases, we were successful at getting them you know, to to bring stuff back here. And, and there's a lot of people who want to do it. Since the pandemic, of course, it's only gotten more important because they realize the supply chain when it's close to home is considerably easier to control than it is when you're, you know, thousands of miles away and in different time zones and different parts of the world. So that's that's only moved up in, in, in importance. And I do think that For a lot of things, we'll probably find people, although the world's gotten smaller and it's easier to make stuff overseas than ever, I think that um, we're going to see more companies thriving, doing stuff here that, you know, maybe it's more high dollar items that you can afford the labor, but but I do think it's, uh, it's heading that way. And we're certainly trying to be a driver of that as long as we can keep doing it. Excellent. What about you, Wendy? Predictions for the future? Well, let's see. I don't know. Ed's much more of an optimist than I am. <laughs> I'm the half-empty person. But I think our future is good. You know, I think it's, you know, we're not on easy street by any stretch of the imagination yet. I think we still have a lot of work to do for our business and our client. You know, because people will start, competition will start coming into play at some point. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be a lot of work. Manufacturing in general, you know, it's it's gotten a bad rap for a bunch of years now. You know, it's everybody's oh, it's off to China, and you know, I have hope that it's coming back, and, or has been here. It's just not getting the recognition that it deserves, and it's all the small businesses that are doing that. So I'd like to see the attitude sort of change, and maybe that is going to happen now. So that that's kind of it. That kind of leads me on to my next question, funny enough, which is what common myth about your profession or manufacturing in general would you like to debunk? Would you like to eradicate from the, the planet if you could get rid of one myth? And then one of the myths, of course, if we're talking about manufacturing and manufacturing in the US or manufacturing in, in Connecticut um, per se, is that you can't do it here. So let's 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 put that to rest. You can. I've done it in many industries relatively successfully for for a long time i i think you have to just work harder you can't quite be maybe can't be as greedy you can't just be bottom line oriented you have to you have to look at the holistic aspects of it but i do think it could be done here it could be done here cleanly it could be done here with you know decent wages that are good for for different levels of people and uh i think that that's and and i'm going to say because i've known people who don't think connecticut's pro-business enough and maybe that's true if you look at it uh, with some of the competing states who will give us all sorts of money to move to their state. But I think that we have so many things here that are positives. If we, if you focus on the positives, it can be done here. So again, debunk the idea is it can't be here. It can't be done here. It certainly can. 
Yeah, absolutely. Anything to add to that, Wendy? No, not really. I think, you know, that Ed sort of summed up what I think and believe. You know, I do think there's a lot of talent here in Connecticut that we can tap into. And I think there's uh, people that want to work and um, given opportunities. Yeah, and I, I, I cringe when I hear people like, you know, putting down Connecticut and say, no, you know, we have to move someplace else because Connecticut is just not business friendly. And I'm like, it's, well, it's all an attitude. Um, I think Connecticut's a great place to have a business. Yeah, it, it, that's about it. It's good. <laughs> I have nothing more to say, really. I Yeah. Well, it's certainly something that is echoed by Manufacture CT for sure, which is a strong and growing organization, you know, hopefully supporting manufacturers throughout the state. Ed, Wendy, it's been such a privilege speaking to you today and getting to know a little bit more about your exciting company. I have to be honest, I love the idea of harnessing the power of more environmental ways of us going about our business. And, you know, you're a small cog in part, a much bigger machine. And uh, kudos to you. I hope you grow at the rate you hope and uh, really do well with this this current client and this project. So thank you for your time today. Let's let's catch up in a year's time and find out yeah. how many more employees and, and how it's going with the client and uh, how many more electric vehicles we're going to see on our roads. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Exciting yeah. stuff. Thank you for your time. Thank you you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organisation, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, Advisory, Assurance, Tax. Visit their website coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify.